You busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. I went through an extremely difficult season, probably toward the middle of our trying to see a time frame. Basically, it was in our conversations, and I and I wasn't coy about it. Okay, uh, I very much was letting you know. Listen, I'm frustrated. Some things going on. It's a lot, and just and I'm over it. But then I was trying to, in my own very very much me way what I was trying to do was go ahead and make it where I no longer was being overcome by frustration I wanted to dismantle the frustration so that I can get the gem that God was trying to give me because I have evolved to a place that I understand that everything can be a lesson you can be a student to your pain if you are present enough not to be overcome by it So I went ahead and I'm like, all right, this frustrated me and this made me feel this way. And just sidebar, I'm like that anyway. I'm a person that's wired to figure out the why. I still have that little toddler in me that's like, why? Why? Okay, but why? Okay, but why? I learn my best when I understand the root of something. I seek to find the foundational causes to a thing because what I'm trying to do is not only learn from it but I'm trying to navigate my life in a way that if it was something that was pleasurable I want more of that and if it was something that was uncomfortable I want to you know skirt (laughs) kind of navigate away from that and the only way that I feel like you can best navigate your way through life is you understand why okay I'm cranky why because oh I'm this many days out from my menstrual it's like oh and this is p.m oh got you mm-hmm. i'm craving pizza and all that oh that's also a kind of thing there how come i'm getting really really sleepy all of oh it's because when it starts to change the weather and so i'm the type that it's like okay if it's whatever it is is there to teach me is there to help me navigate through life is there to help me make better decisions and to be able to better teach myself to others i don't want to be in a relationship a friendship a family union nothing where I can't teach someone how to navigate me. I want to be able to say, hey, give me a little bit. I'm a little irritable, okay? I haven't eaten yet. I'm a little irritable because A, B, and C. I'm sleepy because A, B, and C. I don't feel like myself, and it's because. I don't want there to be whatever what people usually get collapses for, right? You just, you're not getting, uh, what is it? Now I might have to figure out the freaking word. Mm-hmm. It just slipped my mind just that quick. But we ain't going to get caught up on it. But it's the unreconcilable. My brain will not let me. <laughs> I See, I, I want to know why. Irreconcilable. What's the word? Is it differences? Hold on. Now you're going to make me grab my phone. Mm-mm. Hold on, because I need to know now. And uh, <laughs> real talk. I Stop this whole thing. Reconcilable. Irreconcilable. Ah, mm, irreconcilable differences. Yes, grandbabies, because we all did that together. I heard you whispering it to me, but I needed to figure it out by myself. Leave me alone. I'm still that little two-year-old that's like, I, I can do it myself. I, I can tap my shoe myself. It ain't tied, but give me a minute. She finna get there, okay? Let me explain something to you. The way that I'm wired, that whole thing just excited me. Like that finding out something, accomplishing it. Bruh, I ain't gonna hold you. God set that whole thing up. Because who want to be uh, looking like they GED anything in front of, you understand? Not that GEDs are bad. Listen, I'm gonna go ahead and be quiet because the Bible says those who like to talk a lot find themselves in trouble. I'm gonna go ahead and move on. But what I'm trying to say is that... um. 
there have been some things and some seasons I've currently, uh, thank God, that I got through, that I conquered, that I, I sought back my dominion <laughs> and became the victor of, that I realized, oh, my goodness, I wonder how many people are living incorrectly, right? I wonder how many people are uh, damaging relationships and not being aware of it. I wonder how many people felt like this but couldn't put a rhyme or reason to it. And that very thing was, uh, it just popped in my soul, spiritual midwives. I was having a conversation with my husband last night, and I said, you know, these last couple of <sighs> This last couple of months been hard for me. And so my question to him was, have you know why am I happier now? And he was like, um, I guess it's because you have something to look forward to. There's progress in this area of your life. And, you know, you're the type that you like to solve a problem. And so you're not getting growth in that part of your life. And so he started naming all the results of the things that I've been praying for that I actually are in fruition as we speak. And I was like, yeah, but my question is why? Why am I happier now? And I don't know if I was trying to set that grandbaby up. I, I think I wanted to recognize if he recognized the subtlety in my behaviors or, you know, do you think that it took the actual tangible thing to happen? Do you think that kind of contorted my happiness? Or do you think that it was like, where did you, where could you pinpoint? Oh, okay, that's when she became a little bit more, you know, a little bit more pep in her step. And what he said was, well, I wouldn't have considered you being sad. I don't think you were sad before. I just think that you were, you know, kind of frustrated with what was happening. And I don't, for some reason, I, I'm not going to hold you. That got me angry. I said, no, I was very much sad. And I guess it concerns me even the more that you didn't recognize that. And pause what I'm starting to realize is that certain things look different to certain people based upon their perspectives and their experiences so I wasn't walking around loom and gloom but I was definitely an altered version of myself that wasn't my bubbly personality I was mustering it up in certain places but for the most part I very much was I didn't look the same to me I wasn't carrying myself the same there were certain things that I was consistent in that I was like listen I just don't feel like being both and so I can tell and maybe it's because I'm the best student to myself but I I, I kind of wanted the people close to me to be that as well and so when I was having a conversation with him I kind of zoned out and I was like God that hurts my feelings and so I I slept on it, kind of was like, you know, let me go ahead and just think about what's that about. And immediately uh, the Holy Spirit reminded me that there is a such thing as a spiritual midwife. And the last thing that you should be doing is placing people where they weren't certified to stand. I don't care how much I love my husband. Uh, the last thing that I want him to do is pull any kind of molar out of my mouth because he's my husband and I, I trust him and I want him to do it that grandbaby's not certified to be anybody's um, hygienist, whatever the letters are after the DD. Mm -mm. Uh, no, tell him to come out of it. Uh, Lazarus and my husband, come out because y'all not supposed to be in there. <laughs> you understand? That's not what it is. And so the Holy Spirit showed me, he said, you can't place people where you would have wanted them to perform if God didn't appoint them and anoint them to perform there. 
You cannot continue to place people based on how you value them, based upon what their title is, based upon, you know what, I would have done it for you. You have to stop implementing and putting your finger and pinpointing people in a certain place. You have to stop that only based upon your limited perspective. You're my husband. You're supposed to A, B, and C. I'm sorry, where did you read that? Where did you read that your husband's supposed to be your E or the above, your one-stop shop? Your Did you create that? Is that something that has been in your memory since a little girl? When you've been watching all the fairy tale things, you were like, this is how I want my husband to be kind of thing. Like, where did you learn that a man, whether your husband, your father, your brother, that a human is supposed to be your one-stop shop to everything? Do you think that God would even allow that? Because if we had that, wouldn't that kind of push away God? If we had a human that fulfilled our every need all the time, that sounds a lot like God, doesn't it? So either my view of husbandship is skewed in that area or um, I just never really been taught what the proper way was to look at a certain situation. And God was like, let me explain something to you. Um, What I want you to prevent is asking people to spot you in the spiritual gym in areas that they can't lift. I I know my husband loves me, loves me, loves me, loves me. Do you understand me? But I don't I don't think that he would be able to spot lift um or be my spotter if I tried to bench press 500. Uh I, I don't think that it would benefit neither one of us uh, to be in that circumstance right because I can't yet push up 500 so I need somebody to help me with that and I don't think all the love in the world could have fashioned or afforded him to pull or spot the 500 and it's nothing that I could have put in that place you're my husband you're supposed to lift this from me hmm? I'm sorry <laughs> that's the setup you gave that grandbaby why you do that you're my husband you're supposed to why would we and why do we why do we go ahead and and put this uh reprimand on certain people or this demand or this uh expectation on people uh because of the way that we value them and so we kind of get a lens of well if you valued me then you would do this thing but what we don't understand that everything is strategically orchestrated by God you ever had it where you try to talk to your um family member of choice mom dad whomever And as much as you tried to explain something, they just didn't get it. And so what you started to feel was like a little bit of resentment because you're like, you my mother. How you not want the best for me? I'm telling you A, B, and C, and you saying EDF. Like, we're not on the same page. What happened? I don't understand. And nine times out of the ten, it's either a reoccurring issue or maybe even the first time that that happened. So now you feel a little bit of strain in the relationship. And you're like, I'm not really, I don't like that because that makes me feel some kind of way. And you're starting to feel, mm, what the young people say, salty about the situation. You ever had it? when you spoke to your best friend about something and you like wait a minute because I needed her in this capacity and she didn't go ahead and perform and so now I'm feeling some kind of way and I could just be mm, you know what and you starting to again I have that slight build up of mm, resentment 
You ever had it where your spouse or your significant other or whomever that you're really close to that you like, yo, I needed you for this particular space to do this particular thing. But what you don't understand is there's no app for that. There's no book for that. And if it usually is something that is new territory for them or new territory treading with you, that sometimes it's a little scary and it may be a little bit intimidating to try to face Goliath with you when all they knew was the uh, shepherd's field. Like, do we do we stop projecting on people and just give a little bit of a time out to say, you know what? I may be asking you to perform in something that you are not equipped or anointed to perform in. That's why David had to go ahead and fight Goliath and his brothers who have been in war and the army and all that fully dressed to the head to toe with the gear that looked like you can go ahead and fight somebody. But they weren't anointed for that fight. What if one of them would have tried to go ahead and say, yo, you know what? Mm -mm. Because I ain't come all the way out here to let David outshine us. Let's go out there. And on the count of three, let's because we dress. We got the sword. Yeah, we got the this. Yeah, we got the y'all boys about to go out there and get chewed up, spit out and uh, have your helmet rolling over like like it's a heap of uh, hay and embarrass yourselves and have this whole Bible rewritten because you tried to step in something that was not set up for you. Do you understand that? And it it took me to kind of see when God's trying to show me something, he shows me something in several different forms. So I remember someone calling me a couple of years ago. And it, I it's one of those situations where you have mutual friends, but y'all wasn't really close. But then y'all started speaking. And it's like, oh, wait, what happened with you and such and such? And with the that was the situation I had. And so I'm going to call us the outskirts. Like we were our friend was the mutual friend we knew each other through our mutual friend and so when I was having a conversation with the outskirt uh she was like you know I don't really speak to such and such anymore and I was like why she was like well when I was going through it with you know my ex or situation I I called her and I said hey I need you in this capacity and she went ahead and she told me she said listen I can't help you in that capacity because I'm going through my own situation and what she told me was if the shoe was on the other foot I would have never said that to her and it took me to go ahead and get uh what I needed from friends that I just wasn't close with and this person is my, my child's godmother and how dare she and she was hurt you talk about resentment like and in that particular season I understood that I understood the giver giving so much that when you possibly need somebody to give you a fourth of what you've been giving consistently it does feel like a slap in the face that you like really you can't just give me a fourth of what I give consistently it does make you feel like you know what that I don't want to help anybody else and as a matter of fact I don't want to help you and as a matter of fact I think that this relationship has served its course looking at it from this perspective now it was, well, what if she wasn't the one that was anointed to help you in that season? What if she wasn't the one that could afford you anything? She couldn't pour out anything because she openly admitted that she too was empty. Would you have saved another relationship? Would you have saved the, the nature and the value that you had in that friendship? Sometimes we don't think like that because especially with givers because you're so used to giving that the one time that you see that you can't receive and you asked someone to go ahead because it's hard for a giver to ask right you don't want to ask you don't want nobody to give you nothing you want to do it but you want to give everybody everything the, the shirt off your back kind of thing and sometimes when you do you like see that's why I depend on people no maybe you're asking an elephant to bark and then you're looking at an elephant like but if you love me if you value this relationship, if you value 
the presence and the things that I've brought to the table of, of this friendship, this relationship, your life, then I, I need you to bark, bruh. Like, I know, but I'm, I'm going to need that rough, rough consecutively. Consecutive roughs, please. Is it fair? Is it fair? I was watching this show with my husband uh, called You, Me, and My Ex. Let me tell you something. TLC be having all. <laughs> I'm talking about what you need TV for. You watch people in their life. You're like, really? It's another level of pe- people watching. I ain't going to hold you. And it was this one couple. I, I, I would not forget the ex-husband's name. His name was Roy. And what happened was he is in the Army, you know, the service. And he was on base, you know, his wife was whatever. He was in Japan and her father passed. And so she said the neighbor came over one day and offered to cut her lawn. And what she said was that Roy didn't give her the emotional support that she needed and that this guy was available. So she filed for the D word. I'm so, so when she made Roy notified, like, uh, it's going to be a wrap, I don't know how he did it, but bro got an emergency flight back home from Japan, and he said that when he walked in the house, the next-door neighbor was sitting in his kitchen with his wife, and she looked like she'd seen a ghost. And then fast forward, maybe a year or two later, they eloped secretly. Fast forward, uh... The neighbor dude that came over, you know, obviously his wife and that wasn't happening and that collapsed. Uh, His ex-wife and the new wife, uh, they became best friends. So it's just weird kind of, mm -hmm, weird kind of mixture going on. But, But more than that, you can literally see that what she and Roy had, y'all can't compare. They went ahead and got matching tattoos uh, while she's married with the new next door neighbor buddy. She literally said in an interview uh, with all of them sitting on the couch that she still loves Roy and she does not want, and I quote, a life without Roy in it. Hmm? If you could have seen the blank stare in this boy's eyes, I was like, oh. as a matter of fact, the house that next door buddy came in and moved in uh it's still under her and Roy's uh name okay also um the, the bank accounts she and Roy still have um bank accounts together hmm uh, when Roy went ahead and was stationed because you know at the end of these TLC kind of shows they give you an update um ma'am was flying out just her to go see Roy and spend weekends with him yeah we know what it is I'm just trying to give you what, the, what them people say it was that they was just building their friendship you have a nice day but what I realized is ma'am did you place <laughs> uh, a a law on this man did you place an unfair judgment on him that he was emotionally unavailable this man is in japan ma'am okay you were in virginia at that point i think they were that man is in japan that man is providing for his family at that juncture in their marriage it was 10 years in if that's your only stripe against him and she literally said and so after he wasn't emotionally i'm there i'm sorry i'm making fun of her i'm trying not to because i'm annoyed but after he wasn't emotionally there she just checked out and i was thinking to myself oh you haven't in a decade your only feel is 
you weren't emotionally available when I needed you. Like, who knows how to support somebody in that? Everyone grieves differently. Did you at least go ahead and try to see a counselor, do any of the above? And that's what Roy said. He said, I'm not upset that you were upset with me. I was upset that you didn't give me a chance to fight for you. And she was like, I was just done. He said, but you didn't let me fight. And so you can see the twinkle in her eye like, mm. and she said at one point in her own individual interview, she said, you know, I, I probably made a mistake. How many times do we place this sanction on people, expecting them to be superhuman, all that we need, dot com backslash all the time. And what we're really doing is we're tearing relationships down and we don't realize that God has anointed an errand for your season. When Moses said, yo, God, I want to go. I ain't going to hold you, but I got a little bit of that Joe in me. It's a little stutter, stutter. Like, it, you know, I just, the tongue in me, we don't really do too well. So um, what you going to do? God was like, yo, I'll send Aaron with you. When, when David didn't have the insight to Saul and what he was doing, Saul's son Jonathan was like, don't worry about it, bro. I got you. Really? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and speak to my father. Sit right there in the fields. Hide real quick. I'm We're going to figure it out. It's nothing. Like, to every situation that you have, God has already aligned someone to walk side by side with you. He's already had where he knows exactly what you need. You just got to ask him where that person's at. When Ananias was on the roof and he's praying and what we don't know behind the scenes is that God went ahead and made who became Paul, made him blind. He was like, Ananias, didn't you go real quick and touch Paul? He was like, sir, he killing Christians. You know what I am? A Christian. So what? What be going over there? God was like, listen, I'm trying to tell you something. I finna change your grandbaby for the good. Can you just do what I said? There is always a ram in a bush for your situation. There is always an Aaron to your Moses. When Moses was sitting on a rock and the Israelites was losing, God knew Aaron ain't going to be able to do that alone. So what he did, they went to get and had Haram hold Moses' arms up so that as long as his arms were up, they were able to get that win. What if Moses would have looked at his wife's like, how come you can't come up here and just hold my arms? I don't understand. Like, what if we would have looked at anybody else and, and, and kind of been placing things on them? And you don't understand that it is not just being present. That brings the breakthrough. You have to be anointed for the breakthrough. Not everyone could have done those particular miracles with Moses. Not everyone could have went ahead and said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and give you favor and show you this, that, and the third. Not everyone would have showed Ruth that particular amount of favor but Boaz. There is a certain placement, a certain anointing, a certain touch that God has to put on a person to be able to deliver another human. People can't do that in and of itself. You ever try to encourage somebody and you didn't know what to say and so you fumbled and you like, bro, I did not do. Right, that's how that feels. You're going to just go ahead and open up an Ikea box or something that you wasn't expecting and, and, and try to figure it out? That ain't how that works. When God puts something together, it's strategic. It's laser focused. And when it touches you like, mm, that is God. You can feel it. You can sense it. And it, it's a two twofer. It's a two birds with one stone. Like God knows what he has to do. And he doesn't need people coming in and trying to help. And they can't do nothing. It's the equivalent to four-year-old you saying, I want to help clean up. And somebody had to tell you, you helping me by sitting down. AKA, get out the way. Because when you try to help and it's not anointed, it is actually a hindrance to what God is trying to bring forth do you understand that and so what I started lovingly calling that and phrasing it and coining it was it has to be a spiritual midwife 
So it made me go back to thinking about Moses and his mother. Over in Exodus 1, you know I read from the NOT version, right? Cool. Let's read from, how are we going to do this? Uh, okay, let's read from verse 11. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor. They forced them to build the cities of Fathom, or Pithom and Ramesses as supply centers for the king. Twelve. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread, and more the more alarmed the Egyptians became. As you should be. Thirteen. So the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy. Fourteen. They made their lives bitter, forcing them to mix martyr and make bricks and do all the work in the fields. They were ruthless in all their demands. Fifteen. Then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, gave this order to the Hebrew midwives, Shipra and Pua. 16. When you help the Hebrew women as they give birth, watch as they deliver. If the baby is a boy, kill him. If it is a girl, let her live. 17. But because the midwives feared God, they refused to obey the king's orders. They allowed the boys to live too. 18. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives. Why have you done this? He demanded. Why have you allowed the boys to live? 19. The Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, the midwives replied. They are more vigorous and they have their babies so quickly that we cannot get there in time. 20. So God was good to the midwives. And the Israelites continued to multiply, growing more and more powerful. 21. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. 22. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people, throw every newborn Hebrew boy into the Nile River, but you may let the girls live. Pause. First thing I want to say is uh, I never been more excited to be a girl. Shouts out <laughs> because that's scary. But more so, um, I am thankful that those particular midwives were there during that particular time. Can you imagine getting to like that particular zone? Can you imagine being the mother in labor, knowing that it's no more holding back now? It ain't no gender reveal. You don't know what you are having. And knowing that when you birthed this, these two people were mandated by law that if this is a boy, he has to die the day that you give birth. Something about that doesn't make for a... Zen, labor and delivery, breathe through your nose, out your mouth. Ah, oh, yeah, press down on the pain. Rock back and forth, none of that. You have the overarching fear of, but what if this is a boy? But, but what if this is a boy? Can you imagine her going to Moses' father and saying, I need um, us to go ahead and birth this child because um, you my husband. And if this is a boy, nobody's going to protect this baby but you and me. Can you imagine her going ahead? And that probably would have made good sense. But what she was really doing was pushing out the God help. The God help wasn't her husband. The God help wasn't her grandmother who had 12 kids before so she knew exactly how to help her. The God help wasn't even, you know, somebody else who may have observed somebody else giving birth and they know a few things about how to do it. The God help was the two Hebrew midwives. And that is literally what I feel like we need to understand when we try to place people as our midwives and God didn't appoint them to be. 
out of all the midwives in the world, like God had a big job. He knew that particular baby is going to be born to that particular mother during the particular time that a king says, yo, if it's a boy, throw him in a river. And I know how I'm going to use this baby when he gets of age. I have to, he's going to go ahead and have a little fumble in the palace or whatever. And he's going to run to Midian. He's going to be there for 40 years. But you know what? At the end of that, I'm going to bring him back to Egypt. And he's going to go ahead and rescue these Israelites. And he's going to take them to the land of milk and honey. Or at least that's how I intend it. So God has this huge plan. Plan. And this one plan can be super altered depending on who the midwives are. I need you to see that that's the same thing equivalent to your life. I need you to see that God has his huge plan for your life. He really, truly does. And he does not need your help in placing your help where you think you need it. He does not need your assistance in placing people in the positions that you feel like you will perform the best in. He does not need your help. God has always orchestrated the best things for you. He is, he's, I'm looking at his track record and he's done some mighty things. I need you instead of trying to place people where you think they can help you, where you think they can be, where you actually are place in them where you were feel the most comfortable I need you to go to him and say God I need you to show me who my spiritual midwives are for this season because I'm low because I'm in pain because I'm disappointed because I'm feeling all these negative emotions and the last thing that I want to do is place somebody in a in a position that you didn't anoint him to be because I know that it's going to give pain to the both of us and the Bible shows me that when you place somebody there you elevate the both of us because Moses' mother was able to keep her child for a little while longer. Moses and the two midwives that were able to go ahead and see Moses on the other side, they got families of their own. So God is not a one-stop, one-trick pony, a one-stop shop. He's literally orchestrating things that we can't do in our own strength. That's why the Bible tells us in Proverbs 3, do not lean on your own understanding. Like submit what you want from God. Submit the the plans that you think you want, and he will show you what path to take. Why don't we apply that to when we're trying to soften the blow on something? We're trying to nurse our emotional, mental, physical wounds. Why won't we go to him and say, listen, there's something happening in my life, and I can only see this particular portion or, you know, perimeter of my life, but you have a bird's eye view. Can you just show me where I'm supposed to get my relief from? Because the last thing that I want is to drink from something and I'm still dehydrated. That's why when Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, she, he was like, listen, if I give you some of this living water, you would never thirst again. She was like, can I have some of that? Because, bro, let me tell you something. The way we be hot out here, <laughs> I'm talking about tongue on white, white, sir. I'm talking about chap lips, uh, caramex chapstick wear. <laughs> you understand? If you could show me where that's at. I ain't going to hold you. I'm going to give you a couple of shekels of silver. <laughs> like, you understand? And so it, it's the equivalent. Ask God uh, and just be 100 with him. Say, I, I, re- I really need a midwife right now, God. Like, I, I, could, I, could really, I could really do well with, um, with getting the relief. But the last thing that I'm going to do is place somebody there if you didn't anoint them to be there. Because I don't want to hinder relationships. I don't want to strain relationships. I don't want relationships to be negatively impacted because I assigned someone there and it wasn't their assignment do you know how much growth that takes that's my challenge to you I want you to literally be 100 whether it's something that you're currently facing now or something that may come up in the future or you can reflect on something that has happened and ask yourself did I place someone in a position that they weren't anointed to fill 
Because without anointing, you cannot perform and get godly results. Period. You can't. You seen how when the Israelites went ahead and crossed the Red Sea and it was like, go Israelites. Like they was making it happen, right? Pharaoh and the chariots saw it. They were like, oh, let me do a little copy and paste. And what happened? They died. They drowned in something that the Israelites were able to survive and walk through. If you are not anointed for that thing, yeah, it will overcome <laughs> uh, the situation when it will not equate to what you thought. Plain and simple. It, get, it don't get no plainer than that. My challenge to you is to just be reflective. Take a deep breath. I know that you value such and such. I know that you need A, B, and C. But I want you to go to God and say, can you show me who my midwives are? Can you show me? Moses only needed Aaron. David at that particular season only needed Jonathan. Joseph just needed to have that favor over him that no matter where he was, he was elevated to a place of authority. Moses' mother needed two midwives. When when Mary gave birth to Jesus, a, a few wise men came to her. And they knew, protect him, don't say nothing, go back, don't go back the same way you came. Like, you don't even know the number of people it's going to take to get you through that season. It's, these are the things you don't know. But what you do know is what you need to pray, who you need to pray to, and who's going to resolve that for you. The absolute end. You understand that? Okay, listen, I feel like you got what you needed. Mm-hmm. You know what these conversations are, right? They are life-provoking conversations, conversations that not everybody's going to have with you, but who your favorite homegirl, who's going to pour the tea, some of their own limpton, okay? Share it with you. Put a little of the honey, put a little of the lemon, stir it up, pull up, stir it, and then drink it with you. Who but your favorite homegirl? Who? Yeah, I'm talking, who but your favorite homegirl? Oh, okay, because I thought you was funny acting. Um, But I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go. And, yeah, we'll just talk later, okay? Later.